0: tank to Mokhtar from distance looking to pull the trigger. It falls to Zardis. He's outside!
1: Count it! There you have it! There you have it! You were waiting for it, Columbus, and you got it! Jossie Sardis! His eighth! Right to him! And it's 2-2! Two, two. <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to the Crew Review Podcast, a Columbus Crew post game show where me and another writer from Massive Report review the Crew. I'm your host Andrew Atkins, and joining me today is a very special guest. He's a writer from Massive Report. He's an Ohio State alumni. He's a man who doesn't follow me back on Twitter. He is none other than Doug Hildreth. Doug, how you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. I'm do- and and listen, the the Twitter thing is a, is a. Oversight. Um, my social media intern is is currently being fired. I'll I'll get that taken care of. So
0: I appreciate it. I uh, I actually only invited you on the podcast tonight to publicly shame you for not following me back.
1: So as is as is any good public shaming is is bring bring it out and let, let the world hear it. So
0: <laughs> well, introductions out of the way, we have to get right into our first segment of the night. A little thing I like to call emotional overreaction. So, Doug, I'm asking you to shut off that analytical side of your brain, reach down into your heart, pretend that you're on Twitter, and just spew out the first thing that comes to your mind.
1: Help us, Darlington Nagby, You're our only hope. Um, you know, he – we – going in – or coming out of the, the offseason, Lucas De La Ryan was kind of our – the big-name signing, um, and we've missed a couple games with – or missed a couple games from him, but, you know, Darlington Nagbe seems to be the, the, the key to, to this team. And when he's not on or when he's not there, the, you can notice it by the performance. And the, today was a perfect example of that. They, they just couldn't they, – they managed to get the draw, but it, it wasn't pretty by any no. means. And I think, it, I think a lot of it was due to missing, missing Nagbe. Darlington
0: Nagby, Where Art Thou was the uh, was the motto of today's game for sure. And you know, my my emotional overreaction is we are uh we're screwed if we don't get <laughs> Darlington Nagby back real soon because Chicago, not a great team, and we barely got out of there with a point. We have ahead of us Nashville, we have Minnesota United, and we have Toronto FC, Minnesota and Toronto two of the better teams this year. So I'm really hoping we can have Nagby for those two matches because if not, will we get out of there with the point? That's the question. So my emotional overreaction is we are currently screwed with the lack of Nagby or zellerion and I know that uh Patrick Murphy reported that it could be several weeks before we see them again and that makes me real sad.
1: Yeah, I was I was not. Uh, it was not inspiring to see see that from 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 the reactions from uh, P- P- Pat's Pat's uh, Twitter. You know, he's Nagby just seems to kind of make that make the both both sides of the ball click. And uh, you know, the the MLS gods were very kind to us in in phase one with two two shots at uh, Cincinnati and two <laughs> shots at Chicago and. It's not as nice in Phase 2, and you know we, we need to get some points out of it, and we're going to have to figure out how to do it without Nagby, it seems like.
0: Two shots at Chicago, two shots at Cincinnati, and both of those we only came out of with one win and one draw. So I don't want to disparage <laughs> the crew. We're the number one team in the league. That's a huge accomplishment. But like you said, the schedule gets a little tougher coming up. Uh, and, and we'll talk about this more in the game, but the the loss of Darlington Nagby for the team's play style that we are trying to uh, accomplish, it, it's... It's devastating because the crew is all about possession and patience. And the way we are able to have patience is by holding possession. And the way we're able to hold possession is by having someone like Nagby who can dribble out of anything, who can not give up the ball, who has 96% or better average passing ratio. That's insane. That's most players best game. That's his average game. And without him, we lose that ability to possess and be patient the way the Porter wants and like you saw tonight, the whole format can kind of fall apart without him here.
1: Yeah, and that that first goal, especially, you know, the it seemed like it it kind of came out of nowhere. It was like a it was a turnover in the in, in the midfield, and the the back four did not did just did not get back fast enough, and you, you gave a goal up uh, in that eleventh minute. And right. that's the type of thing where, that that's the type of situation where Nagy would find a has generally found a way to Houdini his way out of there. And we just didn't have that. And right. You know, that bend, but don't break defense. Well, we've already kind of moved past emotional overreactions. And into <laughs> it, but
0: let's make it officially official. It's time to move on to the crew review for Columbus Crew SC taking on the team with the worst logo in the history of logos, (laughs) Chicago Fire FC. And uh, the starting lineup tonight, it was an interesting one. And, you know, I'll say this. The only thing consistent about the Columbus Crew starting lineup is that it is inconsistent. We have had just years of injuries and injuries and injuries and national team call-ups and whatever it is that just seems to make it so we can never run with a consistent lineup. So I'm going to go over the lineup tonight, and it's very different than the lineup last week against Cincinnati. Uh, In goal, we have Eloy Room. No change there. In fact, the whole backline defensive end, it's the same thing. We have Valenzuela. We have have Williams. We've got Jonathan Mensa. We have Harrison Awful. That is what you expect. It is the defense that has been getting results. We move forward to the midfield. We have, uh, it, it, as defensive midfielders, we have Artur and we have Fataya Lache starting his second game in a row. Pretty big deal for him. Uh, then moving on to the attacking midfield, we have Derek Etienne Jr. at left midfield. We have Pedro Santos slotting into that number 10. Like we said, we're missing Zalarian and Nagby. And we have Luis Diaz starting in right midfield as our striker, the one and only Jassy Zardes. So, uh, did you see that lineup before the match? What do you, what do you think about that lineup?
1: You know, um, one of my duties, uh, as, as part of the massive report team is, is I can kind of split the, the predicted 11, uh, with previous, previous crew review co-host Tom, Thomas Costello or Tommy Flipflops, uh, as I guess he knows.
0: We are not saying his name on this show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, he the I when I volunteered for it I thought it would be a little bit of an easier position, but <laughs> at this at this point I I feel like I, I have the I have just as much of a chance of predicting a magic eight ball because, you know Yeah. You you, you think you have it figured out, you think okay, well
0: <laughs> You're set up for y- failure. You're set up yeah, for failure. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh you know, the last couple of times I was I was very conservative with, with injuries and well, you know, Caleb Porter pl- played down this injury, so I'm I'm gonna hold him back, and and then they, they end up playing, and and this time I'm like, oh no, Lucas Alarayon, let's let's get get him in there, and you know, it's 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 a moving target, and you know, this this year especially, just in the the overall 2020ness of of this year, but you know, the injuries and it's just a moving target with, with this, with this lineup, which can't be easy for this, for the regulars.
0: Right. Right. That's a great point. So we get into the match and, uh, (laughs) we, in fact, that's actually, uh, when me and you were messaging back and forth a little bit during the game and uh, you summed it up in one word and that word was. Woof. That was
1: not, not the best start. In no. fact, I think, I think that first half is some of the worst soccer I've seen the crew play this year.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, there were a couple games where I was like, oh, that was a rough half. This, this was a rough half. Yeah. Uh, starting off, man, like I said, our, our whole play style, possession and patience, it seemed like they weren't even trying for that play style. We came out of the gate attacking, which I was happy to see, but we were attacking without patience, without much uh it seemed like thought put into it, and allowing uh Chicago to just counterattack. And normally what we've seen the past two matches especially is anytime uh the opposition is attacking, we got eight or nine bodies in the box. Tonight, they were beating our defense back there. I mean we'd have one on one or two or one matchups, uh several times during the first half. And that was very, uh, unusual for this crew defense.
1: Yeah. I, 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 the, the term I keep saying about this defense, uh, throughout the season is, is bend, but don't break. And that's kind of a cliche, but I think that especially when you, when you, um, have a offensive mindset where you're going to try, try to, uh, Involve the fullbacks and, and so mm-hmm. they're going to be tracking back. And so you're going to have to absorb a little bit of pressure. And early, I thought they did a okay job at that, but then, but then, you know, I, I think their lack of patience, I, I did not see a ton of involvement from the fullbacks and, no. and when the fullbacks aren't involved offensively and, and they were not tracking back defensively, then you almost, you're kind of putting yourself two men down just kind of by na- by nature, when you're not allowing that play to establish, and, yep. and for the first time
0: this for the first time this season we saw that we saw uh, the inability to get back before the attack happened, and it happened two times very early on, and uh, the 11th minute uh, for the third time only this season Columbus Crew scored on uh, Chicago comes in to the right side of their attack, the left side of our defense, uh, just smokes Milton Valenzuela, crosses it in, Molovic scores, third goal against us the entire season. And, uh, you know, it was disheartening because when you've got a defense as good as ours and you have a a history-making defense like ours, you want to see that continue. But one goal, you know, it is what it is. Nobody's perfect. No team's never going to get scored on. But two minutes later – another cross in from the right side of their attack. And this
1: time Barrett scores. And I'm like, Oh boy, we're in for yeah, a long I night. Yeah. And, and, and the finishes, I thought both finishes were great. You know, you can't fault the finishes. I, but I think it's how we let, let them get to that point. And, mm-hmm. and that's, and just kind of a la a breakdown in, in discipline and just an, uh, an, uh, inability to get back. I think, just stymied us it, and it's something that's been that was very uncharacteristic of this of this defensive back four right generally
0: chicago came in relatively unopposed uh normally if you're gonna get a, a ball in the back of the net against the crew you're going through a lot to get there and it yes. just didn't seem like chicago was fighting that hard at, it's not usual to see Milton get smoked like that. It's not usual to see Williams and Mensa get beat like that. Um, and Room, I can't fault Room. He didn't really stand a chance on either of those goals.
1: No, he yeah, he he was left hung out especially that first one. I, you know, the first one kind of came out of nowhere. I looked up and oh 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 God, there it went. And, <laughs> uh, and you know, and that's just that you can't. When you leave your goaltender out, to, you know you could put the best in the in the in the world out there, and they're going to get they're going to get smoked in that situation.
0: Right, and the rest of the half, you know, we could go down, we could break down play by play. I I try not to really do that on this show. I try to just give the important, the impactful things. Uh, we had, you know, Pedro Santos had a decent looking shot. It got deflected. Etienne Jr. had uh, the first shot of goal for the crew for the half, but it was a pretty slow ball, and it was easily handled. Um, the the main thing I'll take of note. Uh, and a positive light for the Columbus crew is Pedro Santos, uh, his corner kicks. We had a lot of corner kicks in the first half, and they were on point tonight. Uh, a lot of times Pedro has a tendency of just skying those corners over. Tonight they were on point, and uh, they were looking dangerous. They were getting in there. The crew players were getting their heads on them, but they weren't quite uh, getting the right angle. It, we, didn't, we didn't connect for a goal, but I, I noted that Santos's corners were looking uh, especially dangerous tonight.
1: Yes. Yeah. The same thing here. I kept, I kept writing down that, you know, set pieces and especially corner kicks, we were, we were, we were dangerous. We were knocking on the door. And and I I think Mm. this was a good, a good game overall for Pedro Santos and not to to spoil later, but I thought he had, you know, some, sometimes I feel like he's running around trying to do everything and, and, Mm. and, and, but tonight he showed a lot of skill. He, I think he's one of the more skillful, uh, players the for the crew um and and was trying to fill in that role of Zela and and you know was was not quite up to that level but you know right. he he was he was certainly trying but it was the, he was he was showing a lot more skill than some of our offense for sure
0: and pedro is no lucas Zellerion, but pedro has his uh his definite qualities and benefits um pedro is probably one of the best i've ever seen at drawing fouls so that also comes with the aggravation of watching pedro draw fouls uh i i meant to talk about it last week a little bit i didn't but i'll just bring it up if i weren't a crew fan i would hate pedro santos i am a crew fan and even then sometimes i'm like man just get up come on like let's play here i mean he's the at the flop
1: when, when you talk to somebody who's not a big soccer fan, that's kind of always the first thing they talk about is the flop and the, right. the over-dramatics dr, over um, in a foul. And um, as you become a fan, you kind of understand the insight and kind of what, what, why there's a little bit of dramatics there. But he is like that stereotypical over-dramatic. He looks as though he, <laughs> he, he, he took one and – yeah, you know, there's a couple times where it's just okay. <laughs> all right, okay, okay, we get it. We get we it, get Pedro. It. We get yeah. it, buddy. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, half time. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I just he he's just he just any time that he, he draws any kind of contact, it's and I and I wonder if sometimes he that takes away from his takes away from his game a little bit. Is that he draws a little contact and instead of st- staying a little more physically into the into the match, he kind of immediately draws back. We lose a little bit of of that that skill from him.
0: And we see him uh, result in the the occasion where he is fouled legitimately, and the refs don't necessarily call it for him because, you know, refs know who the floppers are. Uh, We we went into halftime, though, and and the biggest note I had is for the first time this season that the chemistry seemed just way off. Um, Columbus is a team that plays super well together. We saw when MLS's back started back, uh, started up and the season kicked back off. We saw a lot of teams take three or four games to start really gelling together. Columbus came out there and they looked like a well oiled machine right off the bat. Uh, today, not at all. I saw something I don't normally see with this club where passes were being missed badly. And other players were watching and just throwing their arms up and then just slumping their shoulders and turning around and slogging back. It, there was a visible frustration on the face of a lot of the um, newer guys with the crew. I will say guys like Room, guys like Mensa, guys like Zardes, guys like Pedro, uh, you didn't see them seeming frustrated and shaken, but guys like, uh, like Etienne, Diaz, Alache. They looked shook at the end of the first half. They looked like they did not know how to handle getting rocked like they got rocked in those first 15 minutes.
1: There was, there was definitely a lack of cohesion, and, and I think it's um, a symptom of the fact that this team has not, has not had to face a ton of adversity. Um, mm-hmm. That we've, We have played, you know, we, had a, we had two games at the beginning, and then a long layoff, and then the MLS is back, tournament, and they drew a, a favorable group with that. Mm. And they came out and they, you're right. They looked, uh, they looked comprehensively um, strong and they were cohesive and they, they were playing like a team. And, but when you face a little little adversity, sometimes you have to play through that. And, you know, in a, in the slog of a, of a full season, you can, you can gut out a, a one, one draw and learn from it and go from it. But when, when it's one of, you know, a handful of games that we're watching, all of that stuff seems a lot, a lot more um, impactful. And, and and all of these things, it's easy, easier for that cohesion to be derailed. And and they they definitely showed a, a huge lack of consistency in the build, in the offensive buildup, and a l- lack of defensive cohesion.
0: Right, which is very unusual for this club, like we said. Now, going into the second half, see, this is seeming to be the tale of Columbus crew this year, the first half, not that great. We tend to start to get it together towards the beginning or towards the end of the first half. And then second half, we come out swinging. We are leading the the league and goals scored in the second half. I don't know what it is, man. Porter has a pep talk that he gives these boys at halftime and it's, it's working every time. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know what it is. Give, give Porter an award for motivational speaker though, because, Granted, we've never went into a game this season down two, but we score goals consistently, two or three goals, the second half, every match. And tonight, no different. We enter into the second half, and we come out looking like the Columbus crew again. About 10 minutes into the second half, I will say we were starting to... Well, before that, we had uh, Diaz get a good shot on goal. It is deflected out of bounds. So we get a corner... Now, another just fantastic corner by Santos goes straight to Mensa. Mensa heads it for the first shot, on, or not the first shot on goal, but the first shot on goal of the half. And uh, Shuttleworth had to work to save that one. It was a really good look. And so that continues for about 10 minutes into the second half. But what I noticed is anytime we'd get a decent look at a counterattack, Chicago would start fouling us. And we saw a lot of yellow cards this match. Uh, from Chicago a couple to crew players I know Mensa got a yellow card as well but it seemed like Chicago once we really picked up and once we started playing like the crew their their response was well let's foul them.
1: yeah I think that's a little bit of the crew's crypt tonight um and and I I think I go back all the way back to that knockout stage loss to Minnesota um in the in the MLS's back tournament where we don't talk we about just, that game <laughs> the The game that does not count or does not right. exist. Exactly. Uh, the game you know, that shall not be named. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> and but they, you know, we the the previous games in the in the group stage, we were comprehensive and cohesive, and and Minnesota was able to disrupt that with a lot of physicality. That was my biggest takeaway. Is that it's just they got real rough with us, and and it seems like that's been a little bit of our our kryptonite. Is is a little bit of um, a little bit of physicality will disrupt, disrupt that, that um, kind of cohesion and that, and that, and this uh, is purely speculation,
0: but you have to wonder if the amount of fouls that guys like Zalarian and uh, Nagby are taking, you have to wonder if that's playing a role in them starting to miss matches because you see it to Nagby, Nagby gets knocked around every single match. The guys can't beat him, so they foul him. And you can only take so many of those bumps before, you know, it's going to start having an effect. And like I said, purely speculation, but it's something to think about. Uh, Now, I did note 60 minutes into the game, an hour, crew started looking like crew. They -hmm. started playing like crew. They started handling possession. And they were knocking on the door and knocking on the door. And here's, you know, I will say this. The match was irritating to find. Uh, it wasn't on TV. I didn't get to hear uh, Neil Sico, which I'm never happy when I don't get to hear Neil Sika. I had an interview for this uh, Twitter stream that I watched, or uh, an announcer for the Twitter stream, and I couldn't stand him. 31 minutes into the match, we're down 2-0, and he says something about Chicago nearing on their third victory of the season. I'm like, we got an hour to play.
1: And you're throwing in
0: the towel on the number one team in the league already?
1: It, yeah, I you know once I was able to download the illegal stream, and access the dark <laughs> web, and get get find the back Putin. door. Yeah, yeah, and I got Vladimir Putin's uh, uh, AT and T login. I was able right. to finally see it, and um, you know, but that announcement, you got to give him a little bit of uh, slack, you know. His sophomore year in high school has not gone the way you'd hope it would be. You know, <laughs> right? It's, with the COVID? Yeah, you know, he's 16 years old. He's just trying to do his best. But, but no, but you know, I think the this shows <laughs> a little bit of mental toughness and maturity from the crew. And I think mm-hmm. you, you look at people like Mensa and uh, Room and Jazzy Zardes, and even even guys like like Pedro Santos and Harrison Awful, who have been around the league and they're and and they can it'd be easy, especially even, you know, you know, at the beginning of that second half, when they had some great, great opportunities and it just wasn't falling. It'd be, it'd be easy for them to kind of just slump their shoulders and say, well, tonight's not our night and just walk away and just, you know, but they, they dug in until the 87th minute and got that, got that draw. And, and honestly, I think we, there wasn't as much of an opportunity to to get the win as well. And I, I, I think it shows a lot of mental toughness and maturity that, you know, this, this group, like you said, they, they come back, they come out of the halftime stronger than they start the game. And I think that's an important thing.
0: You know, and I want to talk about that mental toughness and uh, let's circle back to that because just real quickly to cover the two goals that Columbus scored Uh 68th minute Zardes gets a header off a corner kick. Now, if I asked you, you listened to the stream in Spanish, correct? I did, yes. Okay, so if I were to ask you who scored that first goal, who would you think scored that first goal?
1: I, I, it looked as though it was uh, Giazzi Zardes, but yes. I, you know, it's been a long time since I took Spanish, so I, I didn't understand all of the commentary.
0: Well, what, what had happened was, as the, announcer, <laughs> as the announcer explained, it was the first goal of the season that made me uh, laugh out loud. So they show a replay, and you see Jossie come in and head the ball directly into Fataya Lache's face. It deflects off his face into the goal. So the goal technically went to Fataya Lashe. Congratulations on your first goal for Columbus Crew, black and gold,
1: right it was off the face. Big, it was a big night for um, alternative body part goals. It really you know? was. It really yeah, was. Yeah. Because, you know –
0: uh, we had some real chances. Like I said, I'm not one. I, I don't want this podcast to be me just being like in the 32nd minute, Pedro Santos. So I just want to talk about what made a huge difference. The huge mm-hmm. difference is tonight. The goals, obviously we were down two going into halftime. We came back, we scored two. So the first one, like I said, a lashes face rebound. The second one, Eunice Marktar comes in. Uh, he takes a shot that goes directly into the back of the legs of Jossie Zardes. Now, the soccer gods, they were smiling on Jossie. They, they said, you know what? This guy has a newborn baby, and he's showing up to work, and he's putting in work. Let's, give him, let's do him a favor. So this ball hits the back of his legs, bounces between his legs in front of him. Jossie Zardes is a pro. He knows what to do. He takes the shot. 88th minute. Goal. 2-2 two to two, Columbus Crew.
1: Yeah. It, it almost looked like it was meant, meant it was like, it was a drawn up play Mokhtar to Jazzy's, uh rear end. To Jazzy if that was and, a trick play, that's the greatest was, trick play in history. Yeah. It was drawn up. It was drawn up. And, but it was, you know, it looked natural. And that was the kind of finish that I think su you know, last year Jazzy would have skied that into, into Wrigley, Wrigley field. You know, he would have, he did not to next, next Tuesday. Um, and it, it shows it, it's kind of indicative of, of his ability to finish this year of, you know, and that's why he's been as successful this year. So he's just, been, I think a little more calmer, a little more mature and finish those types of goals. Well, we talked about
0: the maturity. We talked about what it took to come back in the second half down to nothing and draw. That's what the final score, final whistle blows. It's two to two. There were some other chances crew had. It, it, they could have taken it home. Uh, wasn't meant to be, but you know what? I'm going to take two to two and I feel really, really good about that. And let's talk about that because um, there are two years that the crew didn't make the playoffs in recent history. Both of those years, the thing that I really took note of both years is late goals that cost us wins. They got us draws, but they cost us wins. And Columbus crew has historically been a team that starts off solid and kind of falls apart in late matches. This Columbus crew, the 2020 Columbus crew is proving to be a team that maybe doesn't start off as hot. We wait and we pick our moments, but when we strike, we strike and we tend to win the second half. Now that's a maturity thing. And that is something I think, uh, guys like Jossie guys, like room, uh, Mensa the guys who have been with the crew for an extended period, they have seen th- losing the second half loses us seasons, and I think that is a mentality going into this season where you 're seeing that second half matters to these guys, and like you said, it, it would have been easy to just slump your shoulders and give this game up, but i don 't think you can afford to give this game up i don 't think you can afford. To accept the loss at this point in the season where we don't know when this season ends. We've got a schedule through September. We don't know if that's it. Are we going right into the playoffs? You can't really afford to say, well, you know, tonight wasn't our night. You have to fight for every point because at any point they could be like, all right, well, hey, it's playoff time. And I think it's big for Columbus to go into the postseason ranked number one. We haven't seen that in a long time.
1: Yeah, I think. I couldn't agree more, especially at a uh, uh, night like, or a year like this year and a season like this, where you're going, you, you, like you said, we may have the last three games, you know, phase two and they, and Don Garber may just pop out of his, out of his uh, Don Garber hole and say, okay, it's time for time, time for the playoffs now. And, and, and we just have to go forward and, every point is going to be, it's going to be precious this year. And mm-hmm. I think it was important. It was incredibly important that we, um, did as well as we did in the group stage. And I think, um, you know, it, it is important that even, even though we, we, we let a couple of easier opponents up off the mat, um, with, with tonight's tonight and, um, uh, uh, the, this, not this previous, but the, the hell is real before that, where they, mm-hmm. they, let, they let a little bit, let some points go. I think getting something out of it shows a lot of, a lot of mental toughness that, that will pay off. And, and when you get into the playoffs and it's a, you know, and it's a, uh, you know, win, win or go home, that kind of mentality is going to be crucial championship
0: teams don't give up. And we saw that yeah. quality in Columbus crew tonight. They didn't give up. And, and I want to go back to what you said about Josie real quick. And then we're going to get into our post-match. Uh, you said that we didn't see Jossie finish those chances last year. I want to go back to the first year Jossie came over to the crew. He was uh, coming from LA galaxy and he was kind of seen as an afterthought. Uh, it wasn't an exciting signing for Columbus uh, for a lot of people But we saw that first year Jossie was here, he was scoring a lot of goals and we made the playoffs. Um, Then we saw like last year where you said he missed a lot of those chances. And I think frustration can do a lot to a player and having a club whose defense consistently gives up leads that you build. That's gotta be frustrating. And this year we're seeing a defense that's backing up the work he's doing on offense. And we're seeing guys like, uh, Zelarion, who can feed him the ball, who can get him into position, and who can help him out and help carry the load for him. Because before Zelarion, uh, Zardes was kind of carrying the load by himself. Now we see when Lucas is here, he's scoring pretty consistently with Jossi, but this is match number three that he's not here. So Zardes is back to carrying the load kind of single handedly, but he's doing so with a defense that typically has his back. And that's, I think, making a big difference in the way Josie plays.
1: Yeah, I was I was very critical of him last year. Um, you know, the national narrative, you know, from on on Zardes as both a, a national player and kind of his reputation is is not great. And mm-hmm. I have not always been a huge fan of him. But I think you're exactly right um, when it comes to he he can't do it all on his own. Um, and and being and he can, he can tend to be pretty streaky and without. You know, he he didn't have the kind of support that he does this year, even when Zellerion is out, he still has, Um, you know, Mokhtar has, has been entirely different from last year. And, and Diaz has been very strong and, and Santos has, has shown a lot of skill. Um, You know, last year when, when Pippa, when Pippa went down, he, he was kind of left on an Island on his own and, mm-hmm. you know, soccer soccer is one of those things where you just can't you, you can be the best best player in the world in it and it still doesn't make a, a difference and and he he was kind of lacking that that team cohesion that seems like he's got a little bit more this year and you know as a striker I think that's what you need you can't you just can't create a ton from that from that forward position um without some help
0: right absolutely and you know uh you you said best player in the world and uh that kind of moves me right on to the next segment see i think we've pretty much wrapped up the game columbus crew yes. two, chicago fire two, and their terrible logo should attract <laughs> any points that they have i hate that thing i hate it's- that i don't want to get hung up on it but oh they had a great logo and they just spurled it
1: it just, it just looks, it looks terrible. I, they, Chicago. I feel Chicago Fire is kind of an emblematic of of what MLS falls down on sometimes, where they, where they, where they don't act like a, a big boy league. And, you know, <laughs> the, the, you know, the you've got these, um, this m, you know, MS paint. Um, yeah. Yeah. logo or advertisements on there that the ball is, is getting hidden behind and this and this uh, terrible logo. Is yeah. Just- the
0: CGI stands, they were just They're terrible. Every time they use them as is the fake crowd. I don't want, uh, that's a road
1: yeah. we can have
0: a two hour long podcast about everything that's wrong with pandemic soccer. I'll, yeah. I'll leave it at that. What we are going to go down the road of you said best player. And that brings us to the best, best player. And the worst best player. See, because Columbus Crew is the greatest team the world's ever seen. It's undeniable. You don't get to argue that. So you don't get I've heard that somewhere. Yes. Yes. You don't get to play for Columbus Crew if you're not an elite caliber of player. If I can say. Easy for me to say, right? If you're not an elite caliber of player, you don't get to play here. You have to be the best. So with that said, we have a best best player and a worst best player. And uh, Thomas Costello, just so you know the rules, they both have to be Columbus crew players. So, Doug, who's your uh, best, best player in the match?
1: Best, best player. If you had asked me at halftime or even halfway through the second half, I would have said Pedro Santos. Um, He showed a ton of skill. Um, I would have, if you had asked me, I would have guessed that he would have come away with a goal. Um, But with an overall look, and not just because he was at least part of both goals, if not if you know parts of his body were a part of each goal. I think I think the best best has to be Jazzy. Um, you know, finishing the way that he did, and and and, I think, kind of showing that mental toughness. I he he, it is in large part that we came out with the draw because of because he was not just because he finished those goals, but from a mentality standpoint as well.
0: I agree with you, but um nobody likes to hear people agree I don't know if you heard (laughs) a little bit of typing there uh I actually (laughs) same thing I had I had Pedro Santos I changed it to Jossi. uh when you said Jossi, I delete 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 Pedro Santos I'm gonna go ahead and give Pedro Santos my best best uh deserves it and I'm fine with that uh Pedro though you can't you know let's not overstate the fact that he was uh He was the only player that I will say from whistle to whistle, consistently good, not maybe great, but consistently good. He had his corners were just on point tonight. He was dribbling out of trouble. He was, uh, he was having really dangerous crosses in and um, in terms of dribbling real quick, I think, uh, I think the crew players playing on the team with Darlington Nagby have all decided that they don't want to be embarrassed because I have noticed this ability to dribble out of trouble from crew players that normally uh like Artur and Santos and even Jossi, uh that I'm not used to seeing quite that level of skill from, and I'm thinking that uh playing with Nagby, maybe they're watching him and they're like uh taking notes
1: yeah, you somebody like that, and his name popped up so much in the off season kind of quite kind of kind of second hand to Lucas L around, but everybody was like, oh and tolerance to Nagby that I think. There's a reason why Caleb Porter brought, brought him in, and he's he's been an influence, a positive influence on this team, without a doubt.
0: I, uh, thus far at this point in the season, he's not on the score sheets. He's not, well, he scored a goal, but he's not. If you were to just look at stats, you would think uh, Zellerion, you would think Zardes, you would think Room in terms of your MVPs for the team. If you're watching every game, Darlington Nagby is the MVP. Um, that being said, this isn't – let's not turn this into the Darlington Nagby Hour. I could easily I, – I might start a podcast called the Darlington Nagby Hour and do it daily where I just talk about how much I love Darlington Nagby. But we're going to go to the counter of Darlington Nagby, and that's the worst, the worst, best, best, worst. I wish I wouldn't have named this segment so darn best, confusingly. The, the worst, best, worst player of the match. Who you got, Doug.
1: Um, probably not the most popular pick, but I'm going to go with, uh, Jonathan Mensah. I don't um, like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I, I mean, there was, uh, there were, there were points when, when every one of the back four, um, fell down a little bit. And, but I think, um, as a captain, you, you have a little bit more responsibility and, and towards the end of the half, he, or towards the end of the game, he, he definitely um, came back and i and i saw some moments of brilliance towards the end of the game that that uh, okay we you know but early on it was kind of John of old and and he got beat bad got beat bad by by one of those first goals and and i i i just was not i think that he 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 needs to to get that get the defense under control a little bit sooner um, and kind of be a little bit more of a leader in that case. And he, he definitely redeemed himself towards the end, but, you know, if I had to pick one, it would probably be him. Yeah. And, you know,
0: two goals uh, scored against us today, it doubles the amount of goals we've had scored against us in 11 yeah. games. So we're still doing pretty dang good. You know, it was a rough half. It was a rough, actually, two-minute span. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I'm not giving it to Mensa. Because both the goals came from the uh, fire's right right side of the field attacking. Both times it was Milton Valenzuela who was beat to allow those crosses to come in. Uh, like you say, you could pick you could pick any of the three. You could pick Mensa, you could pick Williams, you could pick Milton. The the three goals had to go through or the two goals had to go through all three of them. So you can take your pick. Uh, the, the reason I wouldn't give it to Mensa is I, I saw Mensa stay composed at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Valenzuela was one of the ones I kind of saw just shoulder slouch or, or making those passes that were making the other teammates just throw their arms up in the air. Uh, so I'm going to give my, my uh, worst to Milton. Now I will say last week it was hard to pick a worse because we've performed so well this week. I was thinking in the first half, it's going to be hard to pick a worse cause they were all doing pretty bad. Uh, so I was really happy by the second half that I had to settle down and be like, okay, Uh, Who deserves this? Because it certainly wasn't Jossie. It certainly wasn't Pedro. Um, You know, every guy kind of had a moment to redeem themselves. You could say room getting scored on twice, mate, but I don't blame room for either of those goals.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think I, I, you know, I I don't, I don't see a situation maybe, maybe a better position on one of them, but I, I, I think you got to lay both of those goals pretty firmly down at the feet of, of the back four, especially yeah. the two center backs. Your
0: defense can't get beat that bad and expect the goalie not to, not to have some errors. So, That being said, we got our best best. We got our worst best out of the way. Doug, you were my best best co-host of the night, oh. and you've earned yourself a plug, my friend. Uh, All right. I know you have a Twitter because I follow you, so why don't you tell them where they can find
1: you? You can find me at – I am Doug Hildreth. Um, for more silly soccer thoughts and other silly thoughts, just in general, um, and and also retweeting every one of Andrew's thoughts. Now that I do. <laughs> my my social media intern will will get on to following him. So,
0: well, I appreciate that. You uh, can
1: also find me on the massive too. I from time to time.
0: Yes, your silly thoughts are there. Your uh, your silly attempts at predicting a starting eleven
1: just just throwing throwing darts with a blindfold on right it now. is
0: yeah i mean next week just put room a striker you never know what's gonna happen <laughs> so you can find me uh doug this is for you you can find me on twitter at andrew atkins sc you can find this show at crew review pod on twitter uh you can i i would love it if you subscribe to us if you rated us if you reviewed us uh like I said, feel free to send me your feedback at crewreviewpod at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. We want to build this show into the best listening experience possible for the crew fans. Uh, for your crew news, updates, analysis, go to massivereport.com. Follow them on Twitter at Massivereport. Report. And um, you know what? Let's give predictions real quick for the next match that's against Nashville. And then I have a special announcement that I want to make. So Are we getting
1: a puppy is that the special announcement? Is the massive report getting a puppy?
0: You kind of spurled my announcement. Didn't you? Oh, I'm
1: sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I promise I'll feed and water it. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, next
0: next match we have <laughs> is uh is crew and uh, Nashville SC. So Nashville, not the greatest team in the world. Uh, what you got for them?
1: Um, I think that we will come away. I'm I'm still uh, not sold on our consistency, especially if it's going to be a couple weeks without uh, Zellarion and Nagby. So I'm going to go with two, one crew. All right. Fair enough. If
0: we were going to into this match with uh, Zellarion and Nagby, I would say four, nothing crew. You're taking two of them away. I'm taking a goal for each of them. I'm saying two, nothing crew only because uh even at our worst, I think we're still better than Nashville. So that's that's what I'm calling it. Now, with that out of the way, this is something I've been kind of playing close to the vest and I, uh, or chest, and I, I'm really excited to announce. Uh, last week, Thomas Costello was on the podcast, and he talked about an interview he did with the author, Pete McGinty, about a book called Accidental Heroes. What this book is, it's a, it's a book that covers the grassroots movement that rose up to become Save the Crew. Now, Save the Crew, if you're a Crew fan, you know Save the Crew. You know it. It's in your blood, or so you think. I thought I knew Save the Crew. I know nothing about Save the Crew. I read this book, and I was in awe. There are guys on my Twitter feed that I've seen, and I've liked their stuff, or I've retweeted their stuff, that I have this whole new outlook on, this whole new respect for, uh, this awe for. These, These people... I had no idea what it took to really save the crew. That being said, I also had no idea how dirty the game got. I had no idea the depths that pre-court and Garber, if you're to believe what, you know, the story is and the narrative is in this book. I had no idea what we were up against. Um, I have a whole new respect and admiration for Save the Crew. And I cannot Recommend this book enough. It's called Accidental Heroes, authored by Pete McGuinty. If you're a Columbus fan, this is huge. It's awesome. It's really cool that somebody took the time to write a book about us. I recommend it so highly. What I'm excited to announce is Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, I have a special bonus pod of the crew review where we are not reviewing the crew, but we are going to talk about the movement that made the crew review possible and that saved the crew. I have Pete McGuinty, author of Accidental Heroes, on the show Wednesday. I'm gonna be conducting an interview with him and I can't wait. I, uh, I really encourage you to check it out and I encourage you to pick up that book and read along. It's not a super long read, it's 240 pages. Pick that book up, uh, check it out, get through it and uh, man, you will not regret it. The book, it's kinda tough if you're a crew fan because reliving Save the Crew isn't easy. Reliving uh, the announcement about pre-court wanting to move the team and and just some of the 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 fight, it, uh, the book made me cry a couple times. Hearing these people's story, it's it's about 19 people who formed the Save the Crew Leadership Committee. So reliving the fight for them and and hearing some of the what the crew means to these people, it, it teared me up. It genuinely made me cry, and uh, I can't recommend it enough. So Wednesday, Pete McGinty, author of accidental heroes will be on the crew review podcast thank you for listening to me ramble about that doug
1: no i i i that sounds i'm super excited for that and i'm I'm super excited to read that that book um anyone that's read any of my stuff on massive you might know that i'm a relative new um hardcore crew fan and and without save the crew I, i would not would not be where I'm at right now in in regards to to, to doing this and talking about this and meeting these, meeting these fantastic people with massive because it was definitely that movement that spurred me to, to, to really see the community that is that, that is the crew supporter community. And it's something that's unlike anything, you know, I, I, like you said, at the top of this, I'm an OSU alumni. I've, I've I've been a huge part of, of sports around this, around the city for a long time. And, the community that is crew supporters and, and the movement that is saved the crew is something unlike anything else. It's literally unlike anything else. You've never seen a situation where this millionaire owner, you know, they, they, they always get what they want. And the, mm. the fact that the, the people rose up and, and were able to, to persevere shows a ton of what this, this city is made up of and, and what the support group is. And I'm, it's it's one of the one of the cooler stores and and i i kind of associate myself with it just from the fact of like that was what that's what drew me in right you know i i wanted to be a soccer i i I was interested in soccer um and i think i was as as drawn into crew because of the save the crew movement right
0: that's awesome that's awesome. Well, I really encourage you to check out the book and uh, check out the podcast Wednesday. And Doug, I want to thank you. Uh, you are an awesome co-host and uh, I hope that you uh, come back sometime.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was, it was a lot of fun and thank you for uh, enduring my silly soccer thoughts. <laughs> and, and, I promise, and I promise I'll, I'll be following you on Twitter and I'll hunt you down on Instagram. And do you have a LinkedIn page? I'll get you on LinkedIn too.
0: I do not. You know what though? Before we go, uh, at the end of every podcast, I promise that if you leave the hashtag my crew review on Twitter, I will read your reviews live on the air. And, uh, tonight- <laughs> this might be a bad idea to have this segment because tonight I have, uh, I have two my crew reviews and, uh, neither of them are constructive or helpful. The first one comes from uh pro wrestling apologist at PWA our PW apologist on Twitter. Uh, he says my crew, my crew review is soccer, a worked or shoot sport asking for a friend. Uh, well, pro wrestling apologists. Uh, if you would ask me a few years ago during the pre-court era, I might've said it was a work. I'm going to go ahead and say it's a shoot brother. Uh, and then the other one, this might be the end of this, this might be the end of this segment moving forward. Thomas Costello at one Thomas Costello says Andrew is still a wet blanket. So, thanks. This is what
1: happens thanks. when when you let people follow you on Twitter. I, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Maybe I don't want you to follow me on Twitter. <laughs> what if
0: What if the segment my crew review just ends up being uh, every co host I have crap talking me the week after that they're <laughs> they're no longer yeah.
1: the co host <laughs> We're not. We're not. We're not official members of the Peanut Gallery. <laughs>
0: Like I said, Doug, it was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. It was a blast. I hope you had a good time. And as always, for Master Report, I'm Andrew Atkins, and this has been The Crew Review. Glory to Columbus. Go Crew. And we will see you next time when we review The Crew.
1: pleasure to present the Philip F. Anschutz Trophy to the captain of the Columbus crew, Guillermo Barros Escalotto. Or Frankie Hayden.